This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. It's 11 o'clock. It's Toronto Today. Mike Hogan and for Gareth Wheeler today. Coming up on the program, uh, we'll get some baseball talk in. Friend of the Garfus, Dirk Hayhurst, will join us at 11.15. And we'll get some Blue Jays talk in. We'll do some of that in a couple of seconds as well. Uh, Bobby Webster was on the station this morning, the Raptors GM. He was on with Landsberg and Cause. Fascinating discussion. Uh, if you missed it, eh, about 45 minutes from now, we'll get back into that. In the 12 o'clock hour, NFL football, CFL football, John Crick will join us from Post Media, the Toronto Sun. We'll look around the NFL. Um, he wrote an article. This is this is it. Uh, now, I love Crick. Crick's one of my favorite guys to bring on the radio station. Really decent dude. Love the fact that he appreciates the history of the sport. All of that good stuff. But he just wrote an article that seemed painful, even to me as a football geek. He took a look at the rookie quarterback performances in the first week of preseason and ranked them. Good for Crick. I mean, that's that's above and beyond. I think the first, I got to bring that up with him, and I think the first question is an obvious one: Why the hell would you do that? If you are a diehard fan of a specific team, let's say that. Oh, I don't know. You're a fan of the Tennessee Titans for whatever reason. Screws on the other side of the glass likes this reference. But you're going into camp, and if the Titans are playing, you're watching the first quarter to see how the starters are doing or some of the big guys. Then you want to get a look at some of the higher-profile kids that come in. And if you're really the diehard, you will watch the third and fourth quarter because you're intrigued to see who's going to win a job as a backup. You know who the seventh-round draft pick is. You know who the free agent they signed from, uh, you know, Michael Landsberg, A&M. You know about all of these guys who fly under the radar. If you're a casual football fan who is a fan of the Tennessee Titans but only knows three players on the team and likes the team because they wear a uniform color that you like, and maybe you grew up in Nashville and you just it's the thing to do. But you don't play fantasy, you don't you just don't know the players, but you like to go out and go to the games and have a good time and hope the t- home team wins even though you don't know anything about the sport. If you're one of those kind of fans, eh, preseason is death. It just is. Because you're watching players that you don't know that you're probably never going to hear of, you don't care about who's going to be the backup Sam linebacker. You just don't care. And I get that. But that's tough sledding, to take a look at the rookie QB performances in preseason week one and rank them. That's that's dedication, Mr. Crick. Good for you. Uh, and as mentioned, Don Landry. I believe I worked with him at one point. The name sounds familiar. Uh, he's going to drop by. He is with um, CFL.ca and is the public address announcer for your Toronto Argonauts. And uh, he'll drop by at 12.30. And hopefully by by then, 
we should know if Ricky Ray is practicing today. And that's that's the big story, obviously, in Argoland is, is the shoulder and uh, the health of one Richard Ray. Now, in baseball here last night, Blue Jays taking on the Rays. The Rays slumping. They entered the game losing three in a row um, and just not been playing well. The Jays had been doing that two out of three thing for the last few series. Should have been two out of three against Houston, obviously, except for the ninth inning collapse on the Sunday game. But the Jays have been chugging around and chugging around, and there you look, and they're not at 500 yet, but they're back to four games under 500. And they're still chugging away in the wild card race, and they still haven't passed anybody. Still only three teams behind them. But they're now half a game behind Texas, a game behind Tampa, a game behind Seattle, a game and a half behind Baltimore. You know, we sat here, and it's, don't get me wrong, I mean, there are just so many teams ahead of them, and you're still curious about what your pitching staff looks like. But you keep winning series and not getting blown out when you, or sorry, getting swept when you lose a series, and you keep chugging forward. They're not dead yet. It doesn't look good, mind you. But if you can every once in a while get, oh, I don't know, a performance from Nick Tepish like you got last night. I don't think we expect him to do that every time out. But he was all right. He gave them six innings. Don't know how much you want four out of him. Gave up one run. It was earned. It was a long ball. That was it. Four hits, three walks, didn't strike out anybody. Wasn't exactly overly dominating. Got the job done. They didn't waste the good pitching performance by not scoring any runs. They get the Donaldson home. It's, I will admit, I had them buried. They probably still are. They probably, you know, have nine shovels of dirt already on top of the casket. But. They're not completely buried yet if they keep pulling stuff like this off. And the big story last night was was Nick Tepish, who pitched better last night, and he said he felt like he made better pitches at critical times. Uh, I just felt like I made uh, some better pitches at some critical times. Uh, you know, I had the one inning kind of get away there and had a long inning with the walks and hit a couple guys and left a uh, loop in a tough spot there at the end. But, I mean, he bailed us out of it and did a great job. So. That's, that's Nick Tepish. He did play uh, exceptionally well last night. I didn't see that coming. Last night sort of had that, well, this is when Tampa snaps their string. This is when they get back into it. But nope, they went out there despite having a uh, an advantage on the mound. And now Tampa's lost four in a row. They've lost eight out of ten. Just, it was one of those nights. And they've been having a few of those. Donaldson's killing the ball again. The manager, Mr. Gibbons, was uh, talking about Tepish's performance as well after the game was over. Well, I thought his command was a little bit better tonight. You know, uh, you know, but he stayed on the attack. You know, we got some breaks. We ran some balls down. Um, but he hung in there, and he really, we had a depleted bullpen tonight, and he really gave us just what we needed. Amazingly so. I didn't. I don't know how many people saw that coming. I guess if you're a Blue Jays fan, you hope you get a decent performance out of them. You get a quality start. That was above and beyond. And that wasn't lost on the third baseman, 
It's huge. I mean, that's huge for any ball club with your starters being able to go, give us some depth um, and also, you know, put up a lot of zeros. Um, he did a great job of battling, you know, all throughout the game, kind of wiggled his way out of some trouble there. And, uh, you know, that was a huge start for us because obviously the score ended up being 2-1. to one. Um, And, you, you know, we needed we needed him to go out there and do a good job because Odorizzi was, um, he was pretty stingy today. And the kid didn't, oh, Tepish, not a kid, but he did fantastically well last night. Couldn't expect anything else. You just you couldn't. So good for them. And they're continuing to play decent baseball. Tough stretches coming up. Understood. The Cubs, it's not a good matchup going into Wrigley on the weekend. I don't think you can give them the advantage in any of the pitching matchups. But you keep chipping away at teams in the American League, teams ahead in the wild card. I don't know. It's it's next to impossible, but, man, it's they continue to surprise at this stage. And that surprises me because I thought they were done. Uh, let me bring on the producer here. Joe Narsa is, uh, is producing the program today. Did you Do you still have them? Buried, or is this is this just is this getting those glimmers of hope going for a playoff spot? I'm in between. I know that's a cop out, but I feel like it, I, I don't think you're I don't think you're alone in this though. I just feel like the AL is letting this happen. Yes, and the Blue Jays are not playing great. They're having good stretches and then they're having bad stretches. But for some reason, during their bad stretches, everybody else has the same bad stretch. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because every time you look at the standings, they they don't really move around, but they completely shift in the sense that you assume you look, oh, the Jays are 11 games back from the AL East lead. They're done. Then you look at the wild card, and it's like four, three and a half, four, three and a half. And there's still, what, 45 games but left? But the teams, are, like, look at Seattle right now. Seattle's in free fall. King Felix is out. Paxton's out now with injury. Um... They're ripe for the picking. They've lost five in a row now. Tampa's been really struggling. Texas traded you Darvish, so they're not as good as they were before the break. Baltimore still has no starting pitching. Now they're killing the ball now, but um, um, their pitching's terrible. Kansas City has been a major disappointment this year. They're only a couple of games over 500. I still don't know who the Minnesota Twins are, um, but they're still playing marginally well. L.A. Angels, I don't think they scare the hell... A couple of their players scare the hell out of you. But I don't think that's a a dominating team by any stretch of the imagination. Toronto's not a good ball club. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to to blow smoke here by any stretch of the imagination. But this is a turtle derby, right? This is just a bunch of bad teams. Somebody's going to make the playoffs and probably just get devoured in the first round of the playoffs. But you get there and who the hell knows? Plus, near the end of the season, you get to play a lot more player teams within your division. So you make up ground a little faster. And it would seem that after losing Liriano, it's almost helped the Blue Jays because the guy that's filling in as your, you know, filling fifth starter seems to be like whichever guy they kind of put in there seems to be doing a pretty good job for them in comparison to what Liriano is doing in Houston. Mm-hmm. Because every day you read something about how Houston's still looking for another arm and still looking for a lefty. Yeah. So I don't know. It's you know the real question is Hoagie. Do you trust the Jays to be the best of the worst? Like, do you think that's a that, good way to frame it? Because these are bad. These are not worthy of none of the teams that get in 
to that wild card spot. Maybe the Yankees if they if they get hot again. But none of the other teams really deserve a playoff spot. There's no, there's not a really even decent team among them. It's just a bunch of mediocre to bad baseball teams. It's just that there are so many of them this year in the American League. Somebody's going to steal a playoff spot. Somebody that really doesn't deserve it. And I'm not really all that sold on the Yankees either. So it's just it's it's a weird race right now, and the, and the Jays just aren't going away. So uh, I guess good for them, and we'll see what happens down the stretch. But um, you know, um, I don't like their chances of winning two out of three in Chicago this weekend. I think that's a fairly fair assessment. Uh, in a couple of seconds here, we are going to connect with uh, Dirk Hayhurst, and uh, we'll talk to the friend of the Garfus about, well, the state of the Jays right now, and if, if, if maybe he is starting to come back into the maybe not full-fledged believer mode, but at least maybe seeing a little bit of a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. And one of the stats companies put together the probabilities last week of the Jays getting into the playoffs, and I think it was like 4% or something ridiculous like that. I don't know how you take don't take into the equation the teams above you are are pretty crappy as well. So at this stage with what six weeks left in the season, anything's possible. Just because there's no team that's willing to put anybody else away. It's a bad race. Anyway. We'll get to the friend of the Garfus here in a couple of seconds uh, as we get ready for the uh, game tonight between the Jays and the Rays as they try to continue. And maybe, maybe, maybe keep their playoff hopes alive. They're going to essentially have to win virtually every series, though. Even two out of three is going to help because there are teams out there that are going to get swept. The problem is, if they get swept, the likelihood is they're going to get swept by one of those other teams in the mix. So that makes it more difficult to catch up as well. But Marco Estrada goes tonight. He's been pitching, as you know, very well of late. And Blake Snell is one of those guys who came up uh, last year and just he's never live up, lived up to the hype. Like he was supposed to be that next one in a fairly lengthy line of Tampa starters that have come up and done a nice job. And he just hasn't been that guy. Um, he was okay last time out against Cleveland. But I, Blake Snell has been very underwhelming so far as a major league pitcher. And Marco Estrada has been exceptionally good uh, when you compare it to what he was like earlier in the season. So uh, we'll get a little Jays talk in now. And joining us, one of our baseball insiders, brought to you by Oakland Ford Lincoln, your premier source for auto service and sales in the GTA. Mr. Dirk Hayhurst joins us. What's up, my friend? Oh, not much. Just enjoying this uh, quick excursion to the parking lot where I do my work interviews uh, from my car, so uh, enjoying the uh, sweet, sweet air conditioner. Nice, freshly recharged Honda CRV. Nice, the dream life of the radio analysts, folks at home. Don't be jealous, oh. and you know, don't tell all of your kids to grow up to be like me, because then their world will be will be depleted of scientists and doctors and all those other important things. Even though I know you want them to be me, just just remember, we have a society to take care of, folks. But we think need to of, take care of those people. But think of how many people will be in parking lots now. That could there could be yeah, something to that. That's scary. The man. repopulation like, that is, of parking lots around the world. Yeah, when I tell people I do I do my best work from the parking lot, I, you know, <laughs> strange. This is a strange world I live in. So we're now looking so, But everything's good. 
That's good. Aside from sitting in a parking lot, uh, are we now uh, starting <laughs> to uh, to to trumpet Nick Tepish for the Cy Young? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. No. No. Look. Look. You, I know you guys. I, I, I've heard this this thing like don't call it a comeback for the Blue Jays. It's it's you know they've always been good and they're going to get better. Just you wait and see. Look. Every other team in baseball, legitimately at least 11 other teams in baseball, have to, like, explode spontaneously, you know, hit with a meteorite, um, you know, get ran over by a car or, you know, it's just, I mean, horrible things have to happen for the Blue Jays to crawl all the way back in. And then just not get in, but sustain it, you know, sustain it. They've lost Troy Tulowitzki. They've lost Russell Martin. Um, Aaron Sanchez's finger is still this nebulous issue. I just don't think this team has switched out of the mode from trying to figure out if it can trade guys like Estrada and Jose Bautista to we got to keep all the talent we have because by golly this team's going to do it. I don't think I don't think we're there yet. I think that they've found a hot streak. They were eventually okay. They found one. And it's going to peter out soon because if I look at the rest of the body of work in the season, I say hey, this is a team that can't put it together for prolonged periods of time. It just doesn't have enough pieces parts. And eventually, it's going to run back into the buzzsaw. Yeah. So enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy those little heart palpitations of those beloved Blue Jays, because I don't think it's going to stick around. But here's here's the only thing that, and I agree, I agree with you 100. percent But the problem is, for the rest of the American League and the teams in this wild card turby, turtle derby, they all suck. You know, Texas takes a step backwards by trading Darvish. Tampa Bay just is is just terrible of late. Seattle losing pitchers on a daily basis. Baltimore never had pitchers to lose. Minnesota, I don't know who the hell the Twins are. Kansas City isn't exactly blowing anybody away. And I can't figure out Los Angeles. They don't terrify you. This is just a bunch of mediocre to bad baseball teams in a in a Survivor Series, essentially. Yeah, it's, it has become like, I mean, I wish like Arnold Schwarzenegger was in there. It could be like the running man type thing. You know, totally... <laughs> awesome variant movie uh but okay here's the deal right so let's just say that's the case let's say that that the the rest of the field is so weak that you'd be foolish not to support the blue jays and their quest for glory because someone has to be someone's got to win it might as well be the blue jays right that whole logic yeah my thing is is that you've got great markets developing for pieces that that you're thinking about trading like estrada if somebody would have taken a flyer on Estrada at the trade deadline, they would have looked like a genius right now. Yeah, they really sure. would have. They would yeah. have got him for a for a, a sweet deal, given up virtually nothing, and the Blue Jays would have taken it. And instead, they let that opportunity pass. And now you've got this guy pitching back to form again. And if you're the Blue Jays, you're saying, "Do we hold on to this guy because we got a shot?" No, you don't have a shot because when you if you do get to the postseason, you're going to get crushed. Okay, you're just not as good as the other teams that went out there. You're not going to beat the Astros, all right? They're way better than you. You're probably not going to beat the Yankees. I mean, there's just there are better teams out there. So I am still thinking, okay, at one point I almost lost a really hot trade commodity. Now I'm a little bit better, but the prudent play still is I got other teams out there that if we had to play if we had to play each other for a month solid, they would be better than me just because they're younger, they're faster, they've been hotter, they they just get more upside and they're willing to pay a premium to get a reinforcement like Marco Estrada or pay anything to get a bat like Jose Bautista at this point. So I think that you still make the prudent call here. 
you say, you know, when we started wheeling guys and dealing guys away at the trade deadline, we committed to rebuilding to be competitive for next season. Let's stay the course. I mean, if the guys get themselves into it, they find themselves in the postseason, you know, we'll cheer our little hearts out. But the prudent play is now probably going to be more of what we've had already this season. So if I can get a good deal on somebody and I can get them through trade, you know, through waivers, I'm going to take the best option on the table. What do you think Estrada would get you now on the open market? Well, I guess not, it's not an open market, but on the waiver market. I think right now you're looking at, um, I, I think that you can pull maybe one, maybe one top 100 prospect in all of baseball. You can still maybe get that one trade, and it'll have to be a younger guy ranked to be a top 100. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to get any immediate replacement reinforcements. And, and that's really because if we're talking about a position player, like the Blue Jays want the second baseman or an outfielder, that's going to be a tough get, especially that's, that's closer knocking on the door of the big leagues because there's so much value and control there. But you might be able to get like you know a pairing of younger guys with high ceiling. You're just not going to get the immediate impact because if if a team had that at this point, somebody would have promoted them. <laughs> you know, like they'd be yeah. in the big leagues. Or you know, Marco Estrada is not a guy that's going to be a front end starter either. You're looking at a reinforcement guy. He's going to be a four or five in a rotation that's already pretty strong. Or he's going to be an emergency starter pickup. You know, while somebody get somebody does a, a month on the DL and comes back to the postseason. You know, he's going to be a bridge guy. And the problem with Estrada is he just doesn't translate to the bullpen very well. Now you've got a guy that relies on a soft, soft off-speed and a straight, a straight fastball, and that's good for, like, long relief. But if you're thinking about him coming out to close or in a high-leverage situation, he's just too hittable. He needs time to get into batter's heads to be effective. So the way you would use him as a rental will dictate the ultimate value you're going to get back for him. I still think you could get maybe one high-end piece, especially as he continues to pitch better and everyone starts to focus on win-now mentality. But overall, do I see him like, you know, if, if he was a tradable product in the offseason pulling down a windfall? No, I don't. I see somebody trying to make a cash deal to, to sign a guy like him before they trade big prospects to get a guy like him. Dirk Ahers joining us, TSN 1050 Blue Jays insider. Um through your career, you know, you, you hang out with a lot of pitchers, obviously, and, and some guys have their heads screwed on a little bit differently. And we hear guys like Osuna saying, no, I want to remain in the bullpen. I don't want to pitch. And for some pitchers, uh, getting taken out of the uh, starting rotation and demoted to the bullpen is a fate worse than death. Um, what's the percentage of guys who can handle that kind of either demotion in their mind or just uh, role change as opposed to the guys that are just going out there and say, give me the damn ball, I'll pitch, I'll start, I'll relieve, I'll club, whatever you need. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's three things that go into that equation. First is, how much time do you have in the big leagues? Because if you don't have any time in the big leagues, you'll take whatever the hell you can get. Yeah. Start, fine. Relief, fine. Close, fine. Quincy, batting practice, fine. Whatever, you know, as long as I'm getting paid and I'm accruing my time and I'm here on the roster, I don't give a crap, Okay. If you're a guy who's like, I made my name as a starter, and I cannot be the opposite, or I am a reliever through and through, and I don't want to be, this is my identity, it's much more difficult for you to make that transition because it's, it's a pride thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you become your own, own worst enemy to your adaptability, and you've seen that ruin guys' careers. I mean, you may, in, in a non-pitching-related instance, see that slowly ruining Troy Tulowitzki's career. You know, there's a guy who could be at another position right now, but look, no, I'm, I'm the shortstop. Let's take that away from me. I'm the oldest guy here, and that's how it's going to be. No, you know, no negotiation. He'd probably help his team more if he wasn't there, if he had a young impact, you know, guy to put there. So this happens with, with uh, starters whom 
feel like they, they have survivorship bias and it kind of clouds their judgment. And then the third issue there is that, and this was my, my particular issue, I knew I needed to be a starter because that's how you move through the organization fastest mm-hmm. if you're a quality starter. Because the assumption is if you're an excellent starter, you have more versatility. You can always be a long reliever or a short reliever, and you can start. That just gives you so many uh, assets. But I could not turn my mind off in between starts. I mean, the night before a start, even at the lower levels, I couldn't sleep. You know, I always took the mound strung out because I was nervous about the start. I just overthought it. It was way easier for a guy with a hyperactive mind like mine to just answer the bell when it rang. Because then you you don't have to think about anything. Bell rings, it's an emergency, you answer it, and that's all that you have to focus on in the moment. And I pitched much better and existed much better in baseball in the moment. And so there are some guys, and I can see a guy like, you know, Roberto Osuna dealing with anxiety issues, not wanting to have to think about a thing five days before he does it. Just wanting to be like, okay, if it happens, it happens. And there are guys that are mentally wired to just handle the, the scenario better if that's the way that they approach it. Fantastic as always. Now, are you are you anxious to get back into the uh, into the office, or do you want to stay in the car? Hey, look, man, those Excel sheets are not going to sort themselves. Okay, <laughs> I got to get back there. You the man. Thank you, sir. I'm going to concatenate that stuff. Yeah, you got it, baby. Anytime. Nice word. That's good. Dirk Hayhurst is joining us, TSN 1050 Blue Jays Insider. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, at the Garfoos. Always an entertaining follow. And uh, our Baseball Insider brought to you by Oakland Ford Lincoln, your premier source for auto service and sales in the GTA. More when we come back, uh, including uh, we will revisit a conversation held uh, between the morning show crew and the general manager of the Toronto Blue, uh, the Toronto Raptors. That is, we continue with Toronto today here on TSN 1050. It's 11.30. This is Toronto Today. Mike Hogan with you until 1 o'clock. Scotty Mack is in at that point, continuing his countdown before he heads to Chicago for the weekend. they got the big family thing going. He's a Cubs fan, and I think that's sort of a, a family illness as well. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. At the top of the hour, uh, we'll get some football talk in um, as we have uh, some NFL and some CFL talk. John Quick. From the Toronto Sun and Post Media on the NFL, Don Landry from CFL.ca on the Argos and the CFL, and Bobby Webster, general manager of the Raps. Uh, you will hear his discussion with Landsberg and Cause from this morning in about ooh, 15 minutes or so. First up, though... It's time for a Sweet 16 battle in TSN 1050's Sound Wars. Oh, what a hit that was! This is the worst one for sure. Indeed, it is time for the best sound bites going toe-to-toe. We are in the Sweet 16, and you get the opportunity to decide which one survives this TSN 1050 Sound War, which is brought to you by Old Tomorrow's new Lighter Up Light Logger. It is sound bite number three versus the sixth seed in the competition. Sound bite number three. Oh, it's Phil Kessel. And he misunderstood what Pierre Maguire was asking him about his cardiovascular fitness. How's your breath? It's, it's not good, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant in terms of conditioning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
memorable. Yeah, that will uh, that will work. Also very memorable, the one and only Joe Bowen. This is a memorable moment from the Leafs Caps playoff series with Bonesy getting, shall we say, a bit chirpy at the end. Dished off on the far side for Bozak. Centering pass, scores! Scores! Tyler Bozak! Holy Mackinac! The Leafs have won it! Hey, Mike Medano! There's going to be at least six games! There you go, Joe Bowen with the call, with the chirp. Go to tsn1050.ca right now and click on Sound Wars and vote for your favorite sound bite. Seed number three, Kessel's not good, eh? Or seed number six, Bozak's overtime winner. Voting for this Sound War closes at 3 p.m. Listen to Overdrive later today for the results and for the start of a new Sound Wars battle on TSN 1050. Sound Wars is brought to you by Old Tomorrow's new Lighter Up Light Lager, which is available at select Loblaw grocery stores. So there is another edition of Sound Wars. Who's your favorite, boys? We need this one. <laughs> <laughs> Screws nasty. I can I can assume that uh, you're picking Kessel in this one. Kessel's winning this tournament, Hoagie. Call See, it right now. Now, I should, full disclosure, there is actually a pool at work. Correct, like guys that guys have filled out their brackets, so yeah, to speak. Some guys have. Well, some guys have. Did you do it? No. Uh, Narsa, did you? No, I did not. Why not? Because I You're know just that a... is their catch-up on that is going to win. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a guaranteed man. This is like, this is like if all the super like this is the, that is the super team of this bracket is their catch-up. <laughs> Such on an that. idiot here. No, <laughs> Phil, you are. Why do uh, around here people have that as the absolute favorite that that one is uh, that that one is going to win? Um, I still think that if there's a dark horse here, and I don't know how you could possibly vote against this one, is when the soccer player thanks his wife and his girlfriend in the post game news conference. How can you possibly vote against that one? That's hysterical at every possible level. And then the awkward, almost quick kind of recovery from knowing that he has just essentially ruined his marriage on a live microphone. That's not good, eh? I don't know how you, I don't know how you vote against that one. How do you vote against Phil? By voting for that one. Oh. I don't know. Should be interesting. Which one? Which which one? Which which they're like 15 Kessel ones in this one. The, this one that we played today, not good, eh? Well, yeah, it was a it was a great response. Pierre laughing. Well, yeah, Phil's laugh. Sure, just classic. And just that awkward. Why are you asking me about my breath? Not good, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you even go there if you're Kessel? But I guess it was a question that he wasn't expecting, and maybe he had never heard the term "how's your breath" in terms of you know how are your lungs at this stage, trying to get back in. Narsa, your favorite in this is—is is it the ketchup? Oh, by far, hands down. By far. Yeah, is there ketchup? On... Okay, I'm also maybe a little biased because I was here and witnessed all of that happen live. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know the story, I know we know it in here. Sometimes I think this becomes inside baseball, to a degree. Right. Set up the clip and how this thing happened. So, O Dog was on the TSN panel during the entire trade deadline yes. show, and Overdrive was happening. And before that, O had had his mic on once before at around eight or nine in the morning, mm-hmm. and he had said something and it wasn't that funny. But again, somebody caught his mic near 
around like 2 o'clock, 2.30, Curtis Lazar had just been traded, and Brent Wallace came on with James Duthie. Mm -hmm. And Jeff O'Neill's mic was on, and apparently uh, apparently Berger showed up from Harvey's. At 9 o'clock in the morning. No, they had come. No, they were supposed to. They didn't come. Mm-hmm. And Ray looks over, and he opens a burger. And Jeff looks at him and is like, "Is there ketchup on that?" Live, in between Duthie asking Brent Wallace about Curtis Lazar getting dealt. Mm-hmm. If you see the clip and Hayes crying of laughter, mm-hmm. and O's face slowly going from funny to, oh my god, that could have been the end of me. Mm-hmm. It's one of the funniest things that's probably ever happened around here. Just, just O-Dog should be thankful that's what he said. Yes, he says that. Because when the, when the mics are open, uh, that's very, very dangerous, as we've seen uh, for some people who are now former employees of their radio or television station. It's, it can happen. Okay. And we, we've heard the other one, right? The, uh, the Keith Hernandez. That's Montana a, Roar. Yeah. But I'm telling you, like, once is, is there ketchup on that is in the finals, it will win by more than 20%. You, really? Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Because the fan base loves him. Well, oh, I understand that. And there are there are a lot of, like, they're, they're going toe-to-toe. Ketchup on that's going up against Snoop. It's Jerry. They're going toe-to-toe in this next round. Maybe I shouldn't have given that away, but what, well, I don't. You look at the bracket; you see it for yourself by going to tsn1050.ca. I don't know. I don't know uh, what we're going to do. We're going to uh, refocus here. We're going to scoot away for a couple of seconds. We're going to come back, and then uh, we have the uh, uh, the replay for you. It's Bobby Webster, who is the Raptors' general manager. He was on with Landsberg and Cause this morning. So we'll go to that in a couple of seconds. Uh, when we return, you are listening to Toronto Today. My name is Mike Hogan, and for Gareth Wheeler today here on TSN 1050. <laughs> It's 11.42. Mike Hogan with you here. This is Toronto Today. We also will be back later in the week. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, we've got football. John Crick will join us from Post Media and the Toronto Sun, and uh, we'll talk to their NFL columnist, and we'll get some CFL talk in with Don Landry, uh, who is the uh, beat reporter for the Argos and general columnist as well for uh, CFL.ca. And, uh, of course, if you go to the Argo games, you can hear him as the uh, public address announcer. For the Argos. Uh, first up, though, we're going to get a little hoopage in at this point. Um, Bobby Webster, general manager of the Toronto Raptors, was on with Naylor and Landsberg today. Matt Cause filling in for Dave. And to start their conversation, we want to play most of it for you right now. Uh, the Raptors GM was asked how he and the team feels after hearing Kevin Durant. Uh, he made some comments earlier about how he thinks that the super teams are good for the league and that fans want to see all the star players playing in the same games and he's just he's an advocate of the top loaded NBA and uh, this morning Matt Cause asked Bobby Webster about Durant's comments we talk about it a lot internally and and in a way it's a challenge for us um, that's our job our job is to create um, the best thing we can we can create possible um, and so I think you know uh, a few people have said it, including Masai, you know, uh, if, if they wanted this to be a two-team league, what are we here for? So I, I think maybe, you know, maybe we take it a different way, which is um, it's a challenge. It's, it's something that we, sh- we strive to do. 
Um, and at the same time, you know, I, I worked at the league office for a few years, and I do think that those, those players have, have fought long and hard for to have free agency. And if those are the decisions they want to make, I think uh, you also have to respect that. That is a very politically correct answer, and I applaud you for that. And um, you're right, the players have earned that right. As a selfish, greedy fan, I am not a fan of that. I like seeing the talent more dispersed. But true or false, when Kevin Durant says that, and if more stars adhere to that philosophy, it makes your job as the general manager of the Raptors that much harder. Definitely, and, and you know we think we're, we're we're building that in our own way in Toronto, and 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 Kyle, Demar, Serge, and, and JV, and and you know that's we're going to go out there and compete with those guys. So um, while it does make our job harder, I think uh, we're trying to build those teams as well in, in Toronto. You have uh, been with Toronto for, I guess, before about four years now, right? Yep. Okay. Have you found the image of Toronto? Because you guys have had a lot of success over those years. Have you found that the idea of selling someone on coming to Toronto is easier now than it would have been likely four years ago, even though you weren't in the same position, obviously, four years ago? Right. You know, I've, I've kind of uh, been a fly on the wall in those meetings, and then obviously this year taking a, a bigger role, so... Um, there definitely has been a progression. I think um, Toronto is, is risen in, in almost every every level of entertainment and business, not just in basketball. So I think the, the stature of Toronto continues to grow. Um, and I think you also see with with uh, guys like DeMar re-signing last year and then Kyle and Serge signing this year that, um, you know, it's becoming a destination city. And, and those guys obviously know Toronto. Uh, DeMar's been here for a while and Kyle's been here for a while. Um, but, you know, Serge is only here for, you know, half a season. Um, so definitely the, the, the stature of Toronto is, is rising and continues to do. Um, but most importantly, I think over those four years, uh, the biggest constant has been that we're winning. And um, you know, I think market matters, but uh, there's a lot of cases in the NBA where uh, winning matters more. And so whether it was San Antonio or OKC or um, even Golden State to an extent, um, it was never known as a destination market. But over the past few years with with their success, it's become that. We're with Bobby Webster, who is the new general manager of the Toronto Raptors. Bobby, one of the big names in this offseason has been Kyrie Irving, obviously. Uh, have you spoken to Cleveland about a p- potential move for uh, a guy who, uh, you know, has uh, has been all that, especially with the ball? Definitely. You know, we, we all we all do our due diligence, and, and um, you know, things don't always make sense, but if they do, we're, we're always prepared, and, and that's a lot of the talk that we do that you know doesn't necessarily see the light of day that happens behind closed doors um so um you know we're in touch with all the teams and and obviously a player like that becomes available um you know you'd be remiss not to not to not to call so so i i was just i was processing that information the good stuff came at the end like the first part was like "Ah, i don't know how to want to answer this don't really want to answer the question but then at the (laughs) end is you're saying hey yeah well like why wouldn't you call cleveland i mean no harm no foul so to speak and also just to add to this um and again bobby webster raptors general manager when you start hearing these stories that this star in cleveland wants to come out i uh, wants to leave uh the cleveland cavaliers i imagine you like every other uh general manager you must have a little smile on your face when you see there is a little bit of chaos going on in cleveland which could result in a star player wanting to leave i mean be honest that's got to make you happy as, as, a, as a competitive person yeah the, the uncertainty the uncertainty doesn't hurt and and as we look around the, the east um and kind of our main competitors over the years and obviously cleveland's been that uh you know you, you, you never want to wish any ill will on anyone but 
um, you know, we're competing and, and we're trying to beat those guys. Would you, uh, if, if you overheard a conversation or if, uh, if someone said it directly to you, not in a mean way, but if they said essentially, hey, you guys are really playing for second best in the, uh, in the East, there's no chance you can ever beat Cleveland. So you may as well blow it up or just hope that maybe they blow up self-destruct. But there's no chance to beat them the way they are right now. Does that, does that, uh, does that bug you? No, because I think you know these are the type of things that you know, you know, predicting is is probably the hardest thing that we do. And so, to predict what Cleveland's going to do or Boston or Washington, I think um, no one knows that. So, um, being able to to be competitive and, and retool and take advantage of opportunities, um, I think is kind of the the name of the game. And uh, you're not always going to hit home runs, but if you can hit singles, doubles, and and when you know a, a big opportunity presents itself, you're there to 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 make the most of it. So. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much of playing second. We're always playing to, to beat the, the top team. The NBA schedule was released, and don't worry, we're not going to get into hot schedule talk because it's not that interesting. But is the <laughs> NBA in a better place today with fewer preseason games and more rest? Because I think a lot of fans, they go, what's the big deal? You're playing basketball and you get first-class flights. Suck it up. Uh, NBA in a better place now with, um, with a longer season. I, I yeah I think it's it's uh, almost universally accepted now that um, you know fewer preseason games, more rest, lengthening out the season, fewer back-to-backs. I think uh, the NBA got rid of the four games and five nights, which um, you know was always a beast on the on the on on the travel schedule and on the players. Um, you know, there's probably a limit to how far you can stretch it out, but I think we're getting to a place now that um, you know we've had you know probably the least wear and tear now. Um, over the past few years with, with the new schedule uh, composition. Are you hoping uh, that DeMar's working on his shot? I mean, that's what we're hearing, that he's shooting more threes. Is, is that, would, would that be a pretty simple thing to say, that, yeah, we'd like him to come back and increase his range? Of course. We, we know he's working on a shot. He's, you know, he's one of the hardest workers in the whole league, and, and uh, you know, we're in constant contact with him and, and the coaches. And, um, you know, I think, you know, to be fair to him, it's not, it's not as easy as just saying go work on your shot, I think. There's a lot of other things that, that come along with it. And, and um, you know, it's something he's continued to work on. We know he will continue to work on. Um, but we also want, uh, you know, DeMar to be DeMar. And, and, and he's very good at a lot of things. So um, incrementally, I think DeMar's continued to improve every year. And uh, that's another thing that we're looking for him to come back this season to. There we go. That's uh, the general manager of the Toronto Raptors. That's Bobby Webster, who was on the morning show today with uh, Landsberg and Cause. Uh, interesting hearing him talk, and uh, give the, the the political view of the uh, of the super team. And uh, I will admit, it's it, it's I guess it's fun to see when you get down to the playoffs, but. For all intents and purposes, the regular season wasn't very much fun last year, and nor were the playoffs, because there was this inevitability, especially in the East, that whoever was going to roll into Cleveland was going to get rolled over by Cleveland. Uh, the Cavaliers were just that much better than everybody else in the East. Um, you know, good for them for being able to do it, but, you know, uh, and they did pay a substantial price to go out and, and become that team. Don't forget, right, they could have had Wiggins. They traded him to Minnesota to get uh, to get love. So you get that concept of the super team. LeBron came back. Uh, they had drafted Irving. It's a, so it's it, it, that doesn't seem as, 
you know, when they went to Miami, it just seemed a little worse because they picked up a couple of free agents and, uh, you know, Bosch and, and James, they, they got together and said, yeah, let's go down and play there and we'll get a big three going. And uh, that was tough to watch. And now you see what's happening where it's, and I understand why it's happening, obviously, but when you see Durant uh, going to Golden State, it was like, okay, this season's over now. And good for them for being able to do it and 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 talk players or having players basically talk themselves into taking a hell of a lot less money to uh, to go and play out there. I mean, the, the money is still astronomical, but you have to be able to squeeze all of these guys under the cap or pay the tax or whatever. But, man, uh, how many of you, be honest, when the season started, thought that it was going to be anybody but... Cleveland versus Golden State in the final. And sometimes in other sports, you, you have a good idea of who's going to get there, you know, who's going to play for the Stanley Cup, and they don't get there, or the Super Bowl, or, you know, whichever sport you want to throw in there. Doesn't matter which level it is. Could be amateur sport, could be a college conference. You may figure out uh, early on who's going to be the Big 12, competi- uh, Big 12 conference champ, and they go out and they don't win. You still have to play the games, but this one seemed as inevitable as any pro sports league I can remember in a long, long time. We knew it was going to be Cleveland. We knew it was going to be Golden State, and there wasn't a damn thing anybody else, particularly in the East, could do about it. So that was interesting. Um do you make the phone call about Kyrie Irving? Sure, you make the call about Kyrie Irving. Why wouldn't you? Just to see what the hell they're looking for. And that maybe gives you an idea uh, just by what the response is of what they might be able to uh, get back in a trade. Because if, if Kyrie Irving leaves, they're not giving him away. And you're trying to figure out what kind of return Cleveland is going to get if they do indeed move Kyrie Irving. What's it going to take? So I guess you can get kind of an idea when you look around at different rosters. Uh, maybe you were in the conversation able to find out which teams were uh, hot and heavy in pursuit of Uncle Drew. Just try and figure out what's what Cleveland's going to look like because that's still the team that you're going to be chasing this year. Um, and then and trying to act accordingly. Uh, coming up in the next hour... Uh, we're going to shift gears. We've got some baseball talk, and we'll get a little more baseball talk in at some point in the next hour as well as uh, we get ready for Game 2 in the series between the Jays and the Rays. And it seems to be meaning a little bit more than it would have a week ago, doesn't it? It's just, it's just it's a, lot, a lot of games left. So many teams to pass, though. Uh, but also coming up in the next hour, we'll get some football talk in from either side of the border. John Crick is going to drop by. Uh, he is an NFL columnist for the Toronto Sun and, indeed, all of Post Media. And we'll get some uh, Argos slash CFL talk in with Don Landry from CFL.ca. That is, uh, we continue with Toronto Today on TSN 1050.